Let's get going. Paul, is it my turn now? Not yet. Okay, fair enough. Well, I'm glad everybody could make it that's here. Today's going to be a little different. I know you're probably shocked to hear that, but, you know, um, today's going to be kind of a little bit of a state of the union, if you will. That can be good and bad, right? You can go either direction with that. But I want to share some things that the Lord has shown me over the last uh, several years. Um, we've been here, we're in our eighth year now, which is crazy. Time has flied, right? In October, it'll be eight years. Yeah, yeah. And some of y'all are like, oh my goodness, I felt every minute of them eight years. And I get that. That's fair. But I want to, I want to talk about like a little bit of, of where we've been and where we're going, and especially in, in connection with what last weekend's meetings meant. So before we get too much into what I have to say, I want to hear from you all. I want to know, has anybody here got a testimony they want to share? Either something that happened in your life, maybe God healed you in that moment. Perhaps something the Lord shared with you, because I know there's been some of that. And um, just anything. I mean, we've heard, I've heard a few testimonies of things that have gone on, things like that. But I want to share with you guys a little bit, or, or give you the opportunity, I should say, to share a little bit about maybe what happened. And I'll start it off. Because I'll tell you guys, you know, one of the things that uh, I have struggled with for years is headaches. Um, I get these migraines. They start up in my sinuses. They'll, you know, they, they come intermittently. You just never know when. And when they hit, um, I take enough Excedrin to keep the company alive for several weeks. Um, just trying to deal with it because you know how it is. If it's a migraine, mine are minor compared to most people's. But it was one of those things where it'll just, it'll make you not feel right. You're in this cloud. You can't think straight. Um, so you're probably thinking, does he have migraines all the time then? Um, but, but, you know, and it's just, it would just knock me down. And so as we were sitting in my living room, or I guess my dining room, having lunch with Chad and all of that, I felt one starting to come on. And uh, it was just right up here, and it was starting to mess with me, and we had a lot to get done. And so I had to leave and come help the other group that was coming in and get everything set up and ready to go. And that night when we were praying, I was back there, Neil had his hand on my shoulder, I had my hand on his shoulder. Somebody was to my left, I don't have any idea who it was, because, was it you? Okay, felt tall, so and burly, very masculine, definitely that, so, but as I, we were sitting there praying, he was going around praying for people, I felt it just kind of pop and relieve, like, just like that, very powerful, and so, I'm very grateful for that, obviously, but we can do better, like, so who's got something they want to share, give me anything at all, what's, Kayla, Kayla, you want to be on the spot? I don't care. Do you want to come up or do you want me to bring this to you? How do you want to do this? Kayla loves being the center of attention, just so you know. That's number six there. I'm talking to him. So he knows which mic we have. It was not even two weeks ago. They said that the mass had grown and um, just um, they're going to have to start doing stem, uh, cell stem treatment and chemo and really aggressively and all this. And she went in on Monday after the service and it was 90% chance it was cancer, 10% chance it was scar tissue. She's that 10%. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that was really cool. awesome. So let me tell you a little deeper story about that, because I didn't realize we were talking about the same person. So um, that young lady is from Auburn originally, which is where I'm from, obviously. And uh, I know her father. Now, her father's a great guy. I love that guy to death. Um, but we are not connected. But we have a mutual friend who lives in Canada. So when we were getting close to these, I had to call Canada. I hate calling Canada. If Canada was so great, why would their national anthem be like, oh, Canada you know like he talks about that if his mom had just driven like 20 minutes south he could have been born in Detroit and it would have been all right but he's Canadian so I called him to get a hold of her dad because I didn't have any way to get a hold of anybody and that's what started the thing and she'd had that biopsy the week before actually it was a Tuesday before the meetings and there was a whole bunch of stuff that was going on but um, they you know they said 90-10 but they were not it wasn't 90-10 it was a hundred percent because they didn't think it had worked. 
And that's how powerful God is, you know, and that's just the beginning, you know. So, I mean, that's an incredible testimony, and, and we're so grateful for that. Her dad called me. I've been on the phone with that man many hours um, before the meetings and after, and he just called me in tears, just called me in absolute tears. And so uh, it's pretty exciting, pretty exciting what's going on. Who else? Anybody. Lord, share something with you, pick something you picked up on while you were there. My wife. Can't say no to that one. You can, but you'll be in trouble. So, um, as many of you know, Ariana's dealt with seizures. She's not in here. So, um, she's dealt with seizures since she was 10 years old. <clears throat> it, wasn't too, it wasn't too bad, and we were able to control a lot of it. Um, but this last year was pretty horrific as far as trying to get her, get these things under control. Um, to the point that I'd be stressed out every single day just watching her. She's like, why are you watching me? Quit watching me, you know. But I'm like, I'm just, I'm just making sure you're okay. So um, we were right here, and um, Chad just laid his hands on my head, and I believe he did hers too. I couldn't really, I wasn't really watching. But at that time, I felt like some warmth just started at the top of my head and just kind of go down. And I was like, okay, well, that's cool. God's presence, awesome, you know. Uh, and when we had left, she was still kind of, you could still kind of tell she was having some, some signs, some difficulty. Not enough where it's debilitating to her, but you could still see it that night. And then I don't remember if it was, I think it was Monday night into Tuesday morning. I'm not really sure what day it was, but it was, it was like 2 or 3 in the morning. I woke up. It was like, everything's going to be okay. All right, cool. So the next day I get up, and she gets up, and I'm watching her again, watching, watching, watching. And... Uh, I have seen no signs of seizure activity at all. Her eyes look brighter, like you can just tell because it was almost like there was just kind of that fog a lot of times. And her eyes look brighter because that's where I would watch a lot of this activity happen. But her eyes were brighter. Um, when she gets uh, tired, she would rapidly blink. Um, that has not, and I know she's been tired this week and I have not seen any signs of that. So. Um, Pretty cool. Yeah. She's snarkier than ever. <laughs> you want me to come to you or are you coming up here? Make me do all the walking here. Good luck keeping up. Uh, he laid hands on me on Sunday night. And, and uh, Monday morning I went to see my surgeon in Omaha. To, you know, see how they were. And uh, he cut me loose. He says, I'm so far ahead of where I should be but I don't have to go back for a year. Awesome. And awesome. Uh, the pain's gone. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. I threatened to wrap him in bubble wrap several months ago. He didn't quit falling. <laughs> Who else? Anybody else? I wasn't here. <laughs> Jim went on vacation. We've been talking but, about this since April, and he booked his trip the same week. But I did watch it all. He did watch and it, it all. And it was amazing, which I did... I called some people I knew that should be here, and, and most of them did show up, uh, which Harold, I don't see him here today, but he was one of them who showed up. And I talked to him a couple of days after it was over with and asked him how it was, and he said it was amazing. He said that he's been having a balance problem for the last year or so, and this was like three days after the meeting or whatever, and he said it totally has disappeared. He was even wanting to know where he's setting up church down in Florida right. because he was going to Florida. He wanted to go to the church. And yeah. So it touched him pretty good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Who else? And if it's nobody, that's fine. Going once. Going, you got something? Right there, that's a chatter. It's from it's from the the Christianity and just like me. If you didn't catch that, he said he liked that Chad was from the great state of Texas, just like him. I guess I should have asked these questions ahead of time. It's what happens when you open it up, I guess. That's funny. Anybody else? Yeah. You see him coming up here, Scott? See how that works? 
So I could definitely feel the spirit here last Sunday. Anybody else? Oh, the spirit was definitely here. And when Chad got into the later part of the service where we got into the prayer, he said something about Jesus is the vine. Reach out to Jesus. Grab a hold of that vine. And so while me and uh, Chris were back there, and we had our, our arms on each other's shoulders, just laying hands on each other. On the other hand, I felt just in my, in my head, just, okay, reach out and grab that vine. Reach out and grab that vine. I'm like, okay. And we started praying, going through everything, and I'm feeling power going through me into Chris. I don't know what was going on with Chris, but it was feeding Chris. And I was three or four minutes into it. I'm like, my hand hasn't moved. I'm, I'm going to you know, raise hands and you know, praise God. I couldn't make a fist. My hand had to hold that vine yet. I don't know if it was in my mind or what. Or I actually had to hold that vine, but I couldn't let go of that vine. I couldn't grab a hold any tighter than that. That vine was here. And that power was here. And we tapped into that power. Thank you for that power. Yeah. That's great. Last call. Anybody else? Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> Twist her on. Just for the recording's sake. Oh, sure. Okay. Let me on recording. Um, so I've struggled for years with polyps in my nose. It's not a big deal, but I can't breathe, and that's hard. I've had surgeries and stuff, and I've prayed so many times. Why can't you just make these polyps go away, really? You know, it's a little thing. So the other night I woke up, couldn't breathe. You know, what's new? And I was laying there, and I thought, okay. So we've been talking about that Christ is in us. His life is in us. If Jesus is in me, then what are these polyps? And my airway just opened up wow. like it hasn't since surgery. So, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. And so, you know, as I said, my goal with this, and I'm going to get into how all this came to be, and I told you guys a little bit about it. My goal with this was not so much just to see miracles. I want that. There's people hurting. I wanted that. You know, Jim went to great lengths to get some people here, even though he's going to be gone. Obviously, I had to make a phone call to Canada, you know, to get some people here that I knew of some issues going on. I know some of you guys did the same thing. Did everybody make it? Of course not. No matter what. If Jesus himself would have appeared in person and we'd announced it, there were still people that would not have come because that's just the way it goes. Is that frustrating? Of course it's frustrating because it's like, what do you have to lose? Right? But yet that's the way it goes. But to get to where we got last Sunday, I want to go back to the beginning. And I'm going to share some things with you guys that I haven't often shared. You know, um, some of you guys I may have shared some of these stories with, uh, things that were progressing over the last eight years, maybe actually a little bit longer than that. Um, but not in depth of some of the things that the Lord has shown me, things that we're going, things like that. And so... Um, after everything that went on here, and if you guys don't know the story of, uh, of what had happened prior to us coming here, you're welcome to ask me any questions you want. We're an open book. It was not good. It just didn't end well. That's just the reality of it, okay? Sometimes that happens for whatever reason. So there's nobody at blame. It just happens. And so where do we go from here? And um, as we had, we were on staff at a church out in Hastings, Nebraska. We'd been out there for a couple of years. We went out there... Um, with the intentions of never leaving, but we say that everywhere we go. Well, there was one stop that we planned on, like, okay, I'll give you two years, and a decade later, we moved. So, you just never know. But, but um, we went out there because they needed our help. And for whatever reason, I don't know why this is, but the Lord has used Amy and I as a gifted, I don't know what the proper terminology is, but we always go into a mess to clean it up just the reality of it. Everywhere we have ever gone since the day that we have graduated from Rama, even to the fact of churches that we didn't go into as part of ministry, like to be a part of, we help because there are issues going on. They don't know where to turn. And for whatever reason, this is just where the Lord has used us. And so that's great. That's fine. Would it be nice to maybe just go into this one church with this massive budget? It's got cool fog machines and lights and all that other stuff. Yeah, that'd be nice once in a while, but whatever. And so... Um, as we were preparing to get ready to go on staff there, I was the associate pastor at that other church and uh, just praying about some things. Had this mentality, this idea of what ministry looked like and what the church should look like and what the church should be doing in order to reach the lost. Because what is the main goal of the body of Christ? To make it bigger, right? That's the main goal of Golden uh, Corral, 
is to make the body bigger. That should be the main crux of the church. In other words, we're out there making disciples. And I fully have been sold out to that since I was in high school. I mean, I remember, and this will take you guys back in time, when you had the dial-up. You guys remember dial-up? Some of y'all have never experienced that. I love it when the Wi-Fi goes down and the kids start freaking out. Like, what are we going to do? Go back in time. They would have felt like their own little house in the prairie if they had to listen to that sound dialing in. But I would go into these chat rooms and start debating people. Now, I'll tell you this. I was an idiot because I didn't know nothing. I just was zealous. Like, I knew we had to reach the lost. In fact, I was, I was torn about even going to Bible school because I'm like, man, Jesus is going to return. We got work to do. I don't have time for school. Like, I mean, I, I'm serious. That, that is how intense we were. And I was looking for answers for myself, and there was a lot of answers about God and the Bible and stuff that I didn't know how, or a lot of questions I had I didn't know how to answer. And I would try, but I wasn't getting anywhere. But I, in all of this, I had, I had bought into this idea of what ministry should look like and what the church should look like and be doing and all of that. And when we found this church that we were going to be a part of, it checked all the boxes. Everything that they were doing was exactly what I had in my mind of how we need to be doing this because this is a church that will draw in people. It's got a really good band. Now, I know that sounds crazy, but I mean, like it's important. Bad music is not pleasant. Let's just be honest, okay? I know it says make a joyful noise, but some of y'all need to do a little choir, okay? But the thing is, it's like it had that. And the pastor was a great teacher, really was. And then it had the coffee shop. And as you look around, you've got these young people. And what was so unique about it is like they weren't being drugged to church. They wanted to be there. I'm like, man, this is it. This is exactly what it should look like. We should be an environment that people just want to be a part of. And so I went in there very excited. And I knew there were some issues. That's why we were being brought in. We knew there were some issues. It was way worse than I thought. Way worse. Um, consumed all of my attention for quite a while. But everything that could go wrong went wrong in our transition. Everything that went, it just went poorly. And as I'm sitting there, and I, now I'm in the belly of the beast, if you will. Okay? All of these ideas that I had is, is how this should work. This church, check. Now I'm in the inner workings of it. And I am watching this the only way I know how to describe it is this Wizard of Oz moment. Because, man, when you looked at it, it was impressive. But when you pulled back that curtain, you're like, this is it? I was watching people come and people go. I was watching people that had been there for years that were at the same developmental stage spiritually that they had been the day that they had joined. This church was somewhere between four or 500 people when we got there. And all we ever talked about was what do we need to do to get more? More people, all of that. And as I'm watching this and I'm, I'm, I'm going in it, the Lord is dealing with me. And it was like my eyes were open. I'm, I'm seeing things clearly for the first time. And it was about, I'd say about six months into that, that transition, I'm like, we won't be here long. I just knew in my heart. There was going to be something soon. How soon, I didn't know. But I knew it would be soon. And so as I'm, I'm going through all of this and I'm watching this and I'm watching eventually the back door moving faster than the front, meaning more people are leaving that were coming. As I said, it was somewhere between four and 500 people uh, when we got there. Two years later, our last Sunday, there was 165 people, okay, in two-year span. There was no major crisis or anything like that. But there were issues. And part of it is the pastor just... He wasn't a very good leader. He's a good man. wasn't a very strong leader. Would not take stances on certain things that needed to be dealt with. There was some infidelity that was going on inside of our worship team. There's a lot of issues there. It was very carnal, just being honest. Carnal. When we think carnal, what do we think? Moral. But it wasn't immoral in a lot of ways. It was carnal in the approach. It wasn't dependent upon the moving and leading of the Holy Spirit. It was what makes people want to attend? You know who else comes up with ideas like that? Amusement parks, shopping centers, restaurants. Their whole business model is what will make you come in, 
what will make you stay, down to the color they paint, the music they play, all of that. It's all psychological. It's to bring you in and to make you do certain things. When you walk into a convenience store, there is science behind the layout of the convenience store. They know that if the glass door opens this way, it will affect their sales if the glass door opens that way. They've got it down to a science, y'all. That's what we were doing. Trying to create an experience. And as I'm watching this, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just absolutely flabbergasted because if you had told me that this is not biblical, the way to do it, I would have called you a liar. Because I had watched from afar many churches adopt these methods. In fact, almost all churches have adopted these methods to some degree. And was shocked to see it imploding the way that it was. Now, these are good people that are running this that love the Lord. I don't want I, I to like downgrade that or, or overstate that. They felt in their heart that they were doing the same as I. But as I was watching this, I'm like, oh my goodness. And the Lord is transforming me. Fast forward a little bit. The opening's here. I was somewhat connected to Jim. Jim uh, remembers when I was in high school playing the drums down at the old movie theater and it getting rained on me because the roof leaked and things like that. So I've known Jim for a while. Came in to just speak one Sunday, just praying about, Lord, what do you got? And it was during that time frame, I'm like, this is, this is where we're going. I just knew. And um, I began to get into time of prayer and like, okay, Lord, what are we going to do, all this stuff? And they were throwing us a going away party. And this little old lady came up to me. Now, I, I cannot remember her name. She may not even be alive now. Um, her daughter, uh, I knew pretty well, but her mom, I just didn't talk to very often, not for any reason. She just never was around. Um, she's a very spiritual person, and she would spend hours um, at her piano just playing, and the Lord would just bring songs out of her heart. She's just very in tune to the Spirit of God. She would tell me different stories about, there was one time she got stranded in a big snowstorm, car got stuck, no way of getting out, and all of a sudden, four people knocked on her window and said, hey, do you want us to push? She's like, yes, I do. Pushed her out, and they were gone. What do you do with that, right? I mean, this is the type of stuff. And so we're just having a going away party, and we're eating cake, and I like cake, and we're having a good old time, and she comes up, and she's like, can I tell you something? I said, sure. She's like, the Lord wants me to tell you something. I was like, okay. She's like, but I don't know how to say it. I'm like, start at the beginning? She's like, well, no, I, I have to sing it. Now, we're in the coffee shop, y'all. <laughs> like, I'm like, you have to sing it? She's like, well, it's as I was playing my piano. <laughs> it was funny. And Brian Young was there. He was standing next to me and all this stuff. I mean, but anyway. And uh, I don't remember all the details of it now because, again, it was, this was some time ago. But... Uh, as she was going, she, she said essentially that there will be a restoration after a time of healing. And that God is moving us to serve this body, but greater than this body is to serve this community and to serve this area. And um, from that, growth will take place, but not necessarily in numbers, but those who pour in and open their hearts to the moving of the Holy Spirit will grow in and of themselves, and that we will be a light to the community. And she said, you're going to have to stand strong because there will be adversity, and there will be some that will come against, but you just do what you know is the right thing to do. It was a good word. It was an encouraging word. Let's put it that way. It was timely. And so... Um, I'm like, okay, well, thank you. And there was more details. That I just don't remember them all now. Do you guys, like, if anybody has a personal profit, do you guys remember all the details? Because am I the only one that doesn't remember? Okay, maybe y'all look at me cross-eyed. I don't always remember all the details. And so anyway, so I went in time of prayer and fasting because I'm like, okay, well, what are we going to do? Like, our first Sunday here, if you guys recall, there was about 17 people left. Um, not, not a lot. And, and so we're just praying, like, Lord, what do you do? Now, I have always been an outreach guy. When I say outreach, I mean event. We put on events, we do events, and all of that. I'm praying, okay, well, we can do that and get involved in the community. The Lord says, no. And uh, this is over like a two, three, three-week period. I'm spending some time praying. I'm pre spending some time fasting. And I remember, and I've told you guys, the Lord will show me pictures of things that are going on. And uh, I just kept hearing him say, teach my word. I'm like, okay, yeah, obviously. But, and then it's no matter what, I start getting these ideas, and it would come back. Teach my word. 
And that was all I got. And I literally was no outreach, no nothing. Teach my word. Just teach my word. And here's what happened. I got this picture in my mind. I'm going to do my best to describe this to you, okay? But I figured it out shortly after I got it, but it was a representation of the church as a whole, okay? Not necessarily this church, but the church of a whole. And I want you to picture these Somalian children, and you've seen them, right? With the flies in their face and all that. They're starving, like their little bellies are sticking out. They're starving to death. And it was one of those things where they were not lethargic, they were very energetic, and they were being moved from one side and, and moved to another, and they were running around, and you'd see them laughing and having a good time. But inwardly, they were starving to death. And what would happen is somebody would try to bring them sustenance, but they would reject it. They don't want it because they'd rather run, and they'd rather jump, and they'd rather do it. And inwardly, they were starving, and they didn't even know it. And the Lord showed me, he's like, this is my church. Teach my word. That's it. It was just teach my word. And I remembered back to a time when I was going to Ramah with Brother Hagen there. And again, we were the last class with him. And Chad and I went together. You know, we didn't really know each other very well then. But, um, but I remember him talking about, if you guys grew up during that phase, grew up or were around, in the, that late 80s to the, through the 90s and stuff, I mean, there was times of incredible moves of the Spirit, legitimate revivals taking place in this country. It was unbelievable, and it was affecting every church in America. I mean, it really was. Like, these Spirit-filled churches, incredible things were taking place. Um, it, was, it was just incredible. And I, like everybody else, loved those times. I yearned back for those times because it was so it was so pleasant and um, but he talked about so this would have been 2002 three range somewhere in there he, he talked about he's like we've gotten away from the word we've gotten towards the experience and church has become a show because they rejected my word. And I was remembering this. And he was talking about that there was going to be a shift that takes place. He didn't say how long. Where you wouldn't see the moves of the Spirit like you did, like we did. Not everything that claims to be a move of the Spirit is. You guys know how that goes. But there would be this phase of, of teaching because there was this lack. And I was remembering that. And then the next thing the Lord showed me was this, this foundation, like of a, this old building. And um, the building looked really nice. It was like a, I don't know if it was a church, I don't know what it was. But, but it was painted well. I mean, everything about it was beautiful. And then you look at the foundation, and there were holes in it, and it was crumbling. And you could see snakes and rats climbing in. And it was like, it's a matter of time before the church falls. It didn't matter what it looked like. Because to your average person walking in, it was, it was beautiful. The foundation was the problem. This is at the time that we're, we're preparing to sell our house and things like that. It cracked me up because we learned something. HGTV is a problem, y'all. Okay? Just so you know. So we had redone our house, and our air conditioner in the basement was leaking water. Terrible. Pouring everywhere. Okay? We knew there was an issue. We hadn't had time to get somebody out there to look at it. There's showings going on. Out of all the showings, do you know how many people pointed that out? Zero. You know how many people talked about us not having granite countertops? All of them. All of $8,000 repair, $2,000 in countertops. What did they care about? What it looked like. But the bones of the house didn't matter. And the Lord was showing me that this is where the church has gone, and there would be a time where you would begin to see... The curtain would be pulled back and truth would be revealed. And it's funny that we've seen this because how many ministries have we seen falling here lately? There's been things going on in the background that most of us didn't know. Ravi Zacharias' scandal completely took me by surprise. That's just one of many. There's been several of them now. It's not all moral issues. Don't misunderstand me. But they continue to happen. And so the Lord, as I'm standing there, he's like, be a mason. Build the foundation. Teach my word. Feed my sheep. That's what he kept saying over and over and over again. 
Now, you got to understand something. I came from a background. I was the hype guy. I was high energy. I could get you pumped up. I can preach a sermon. All of that. And he's like, I want you to teach my word. And what led to this, this moment, was about two years prior to that, in my frustration, I'm crying out to God. Because I hear about people who've read the Bible their entire life, and they always talked about how it's this incredible experience, and every day was like a new day, and all of this. And you know what? My experience was not like that. I had read it, I had preached it, I had said it. I could get you pumped up, I could get you excited, but that enthusiasm would only carry you so far. We had a a bunch of people that weren't able to walk on their own. And so I'm, I'm sitting there like, God, there has to be more to it than this. How can guys like Kenneth Hagin talk about the Bible with such regard that he does that every time he reads it, it's like a new experience. The Lord is showing him new things. I'm like, God, there's got to be more to it than this. I'm missing something. It was shortly after that that things started to come alive to me in the text, and I was like, oh my goodness. I'm seeing things that, that I had never seen. I'm seeing things that others had missed. I'm seeing things for, like for the first time, and it was incredible. But to this day, it still happens. There are things as I'm reading, it's like, man, alive, this is good. Like, oh my goodness, how did we miss this the entire time? And so as I was praying, it's like, okay, we've got to have people who love God's Word. Because it in of itself is the foundation of everything. And our experiences matter, but they must be filtered through the lens that comes from Scripture. It was during this time period that there was a great revival that was happening in Florida. The problem was it wasn't a great revival. There was a lot of people. The TV networks were on there. There was an individual that was, that was up there and he was preaching. And I, I, I wasn't following it necessarily, but I was getting asked about it. It's like, what, what, what do you think of this? And so I go watch some of the sermon and there was like this itch I couldn't scratch about it because I'm like, Something's not right here. I don't know what it is. Something's not right. And I'm like, this guy is not talking about repentance. He's not even using scripture most of the time. He's just up there and he's just preaching and telling stories. But people were falling down and, and things seemed to be happening and all of that. And so this guy gets christened the next up and coming thing by a bunch of well-known ministers. Names if I threw out you would probably recognize. They all went down there. And they all talked about how God is using him. They had all these prophecies how God is using him and he's going to do this and he's going to do that and all of these other things. And this whole time, I am getting raked over the coals because I'm like, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Two weeks later, it comes out after this event that he was having an affair on his wife with his secretary, divorces his wife, marries her. And there was a bunch of other, there was alcohol being abused, there was drugs being used, all of these things were going on. Now, I'm nothing special, okay? There's nothing unique about me in any way. But I also don't claim to be a prophet. But if I did, and I couldn't see that from the Lord, that's a problem. Man's still out there today, doing different things. But it's a problem. And I thought, okay, well... Maybe it's just me. Well, about a year after this event takes place, I read a book by a guy named R.T. Kendall uh, about the Holy Spirit. It's a great book. R.T. Kendall, if you're not familiar with him, you need to make yourself familiar with him. Incredible man of God. And uh, in that book, he addresses that issue without naming it, but it was pretty obvious. And he was telling me that he got invited, or he was saying in the book, he got invited to go down to this thing. As he was praying about it, and he was watching, and he was all that... He just knew there wasn't, something wasn't right there. And then, of course, everything comes out. And that was confirmation to me. It's like, you know what? We're so quick to go with the crowd. We're so quick to get duped and sucked into stuff, whether it's of God or not. Because we, the church, Big C Church, have lost that foundation. We've lost that first love, which is God's Word. Because in God's Word is where we find out about Jesus. It's where we find out about the person of the Holy Spirit. It's where we find out who we are. If we did not have God's Word, it would just be your opinion versus mine and who's right. We have nothing to compare it to. But unfortunately, the church had become nothing but a bunch of baby birds with their mouths opening, allowing anybody to stick something in there. Is it still happening today? Of course it is. It will never stop. 
But what would happen if there was a group of people that loved the Lord and came together and was united around God's Word? And it doesn't matter what I've heard before. I want to check it against Scripture. I want to see if what is said is being true. What would happen there? What would happen if we became discerning and not gullible? So, these are all the things that the Lord is putting on my heart. And as we came in, that was what we did. We taught the Word. We continue to teach the Word. We will always continue to teach the Word. But I've always wanted more. Because I've had a frustration in the charismatic world. I'm just being honest with you, and I've told you guys this before. I don't want a show. I want a move of God. I'm not, I've told people this for years. It used to be almost automatic. You go pray for somebody, they fall over. Like it was automatic. You just, it just was what happened. And I, I would tell people, I get up, I'm getting ready to pray for folks. And I say, listen, do not fall down for my benefit. It does nothing for me. If you fall under the power of God, great. But don't do it for me. There was always that person that was trying to help you out. Because I want to see the real move of God, the life-transforming move of God. Some of us are where we are today spiritually out of moves of God. And so it's like, I want to see that. But my problem was, is that we were seeing so many excuses in the body of Christ when it came to the gifts of the Spirit, when it came to the healing gifts and the things that were taking, should be taking place, all of that. I met with a, a pastor in Kearney who grew up in a charismatic church. He loved the Lord. He's now a, what they call a cessationist, which means he doesn't believe that God moves in that way anymore. And here's what happened. When he was a young man, he was a teenager, they had brought this evangelist into his church and they brought him in every year. And the church loved this guy. And this guy operated in a, a gifting similar, similar to a guy named William Branham, of which when he would see you, he'd come up to you and he's like, your, give you your name, give you your specific details about your life. Church was moved by that, obviously, any of us would be, right? That's part of what happened with William Branham. And he just, he adored this man. Because this man moved in this gifting that he had just never seen anybody else do. Well, at that church, they had, when they had for the pastor, uh, the pastor had a private bathroom, had a shower and all that kind of stuff. And the guests would, of course, use that. And this young man was just there to serve. He's probably 16, 17 years old at this point. He'd been to this guy's services for many, many years. And uh, one of the things he was doing is like when, when the guy left, he was going to clean the bathroom. And so he did. And as he was cleaning the bathroom, he found a list of names with addresses and specific details in the trash can. And it happened to be all the people that he had called out the service before. It ruined this guy because the guy was a fraud. Why did he do it? I don't know what the motivation would be. Why did nobody pick up on that? Because we want to be enamored by the supernatural. It's the same as the world today. Does the world want to be enamored by the supernatural? Do you realize that there are things called ghost tours? People will voluntarily go into places of where they claim to be ghosts and hauntings and all of that. Why would you do that? That's insane to me. If it were real, I mean, don't, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to say anything about it. I'm just saying, like, we want to be enamored with the supernatural. I want to be enamored with the supernatural. But I want the real. I don't want the counterfeit. There's too much of that. It happens all the time. You look at the modern prophetic movement today, it's a shell of what it once was. And the reason being is there is no accountability. What happens when you're wrong? What should you do? Own it and move on. What has the majority of them done? I call them rubber prophecies. It's supposed to fit here. Oh, that happened. I'll just stretch this over here and make it fit on top of that. You're a prophet. Where you at? I don't claim to be a prophet. The Lord shows me things. I can discern things, but I don't claim to be a prophet. I don't get, you know, I didn't know who's going to be president. I won't tell you who's going to be the next one. I don't know. Okay, don't ask me. Well, those of you guys are asking about the Trump prophecies that happened in the first election with he and Hillary and all of that, my response was always the same. We'll see what happens. I don't know. And so this is where the church was, is as a whole. Has that changed much? Not a lot. I have noticed in the last four years, four years, maybe five, 
that there has been an uptick of what we call the exegesis of the word, even in charismatic churches, where they are getting and they're beginning to break down Scripture instead of just being the hype show. Again, don't misunderstand me. Just because you see energy or anything like that does not mean the Holy Spirit is moving or is not moving. There's a time and place for all of that kind of stuff. But we're seeing a greater teaching of the Word coming forth, which is exactly what Brother Hagin said would happen. So those are good things. These are all positive things. None of this stuff is negative. But there's, there's a lot that was going on. And the thing that, that always got me is that the church in and of itself is to be salt and light, right? We should be the place of where people come to. When I say come to, I don't mean here. I mean at your house where they know where you are because you are the church. They should find you. They should know you. The, I, I, maybe I've told you guys this, but there was a time when we moved back. We'd moved to Oklahoma. We'd moved back to Nebraska, all this stuff. Obviously, I was on staff at the church. We're doing things. There was a young man that I went to high school with. His name was Derek. I had not seen that man since we had graduated high school, okay? I didn't even know he was still in the area because we had left, come back. I'm out of touch. It had been at least six years, if not longer. But I was very adamant that we have to reach the lost. And every day is that opportunity. I never, I never thought anything, different. even in high school. I wasn't good at it. I didn't know what I was doing. But man, was I zealous, okay? I wore them cheese ball Christian t-shirt, got Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? Like the, my mother bought those for me. They were terrible. But I wore them all the time. I was always looking for an opportunity to strike up conversation. I told you about dropping the $20 bill tracks all over the place. I'm not going to tell that story again, but it's really funny. But, uh, you know, I mean, I was always doing that kind of stuff. Like, I just was looking for opportunity. I was very shy. Right? I know. (laughs) I was. I didn't know how to talk to people, anything like that. But I knew we had to try. Like, we had to give it a go. And so, like, this is who I was. And I believed all of this kind of stuff. And yet, I seemed to be like it was the only one. Where's everybody else at? And the church, we should be the people they come to. And so, there was one day I'd just gotten home from work. And uh, I was tired. And I get this knock on my back door. I had no idea who it was. Um, I open it up, and it's Derek, whom I have not seen six, eight years. I mean, it's been a long time. And uh, you could tell something was wrong. I said, man, what's, what's going on? Long story short, his cousin's wife had left him. I want to say this correctly. His cousin, his wife left his cousin. Not his cousin's wife left Derek, because that's like Alabama stuff. His cousin's <laughs> wife had left him. And his cousin was very distraught. And he had turned to alcohol. And he was afraid he was going to kill himself. And he showed up at my door. And he said, can you go talk to him? I'd only met the guy one time in my life. And I was like, yeah. He's like, can you just grab your Bible and come? I have not seen this man in many, many years. But I went. It was four hours. We talked and talked and talked. It's all good, and I left. And I got home, and uh, I remember I'm thinking, that's so crazy. He showed up at my door. And the Lord said, you never know who's watching. And you never know when it'll matter. Showed me something. Like the life that I had lived had meant something. So as we came in, we began to doing all this stuff, and we're, we're going in a certain direction, trying to be involved with the community, doing different things like that. To be that light is what she said. To restore, to heal, to serve, and to grow. To be that city on a hill, getting involved with the community in a way that we can say, hey, we're here. I want you to know where you can go when those times happen, because they're going to happen. And so it was in 2019. Okay? You guys remember 2019? Anything significant start in 2019? Yeah, so I'm sitting here going into the new year. I always spend some time praying and fasting in the new year. I try to spend some time praying and fasting every single month. I know you're shocked to think that by looking at me, but I do it, all right? Not the Daniel fast either, okay? It's just it's a legitimate fast. And I'm just praying, I'm like, okay, look. And as we were going into that, the Lord, I mean, it was like, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try. I'm going to show you the, I'm going to explain the picture the best I can. I don't always do a great job of this but 2019 it was be ready attack coming warn the sheep <laughs> like okay what does that mean i didn't know what to do with this right i had no i'm like are we going to war what i mean what, what are you talking about and so um i'm gonna do my best to paint this picture okay and, and again and it was like i was looking out into this field okay 
this great big field. It was dark. Lightning, I mean, storms coming. It's ugly. Winds blowing. In this field, it is filled with sheep. They are everywhere. And they're loving life. Happy-go-lucky. Think they've got the world at their fingertips. Everything is good. And the shepherd is yelling, trying to get their attention. But they weren't paying attention to him. It was like, there's trouble coming. The wolves are coming. The storm is coming. But they were all satisfied with where they were. And no matter how loud he talked, even to the point that he would go and he would try to grab them and they would start to follow him, it was like they would just kind of turn away and go back to their normal lives. And it was very bizarre to me. And I'm sitting there, I'm getting this, this picture of it. And I'm like, Lord, I don't know what to do with this. And he just said, be ready. And so it's like, hmm. The other thing is, you talk about the idea of wolves in sheep clothing. And he showed me how it was like the enemy has gotten in and he's filled their heart. And these are his sheep. And he said, their eyes are not on me. Their eyes are on them. And it was like he convinced, the enemy had convinced these people that they were doing the Lord's work. But they were coming against the shepherd. Don't listen to him. That's nonsense. Don't listen to him. He's preaching nonsense. No, this is how it should be. I mean, all of this stuff, it was, it was just, a, it was very weird, okay? And as I'm praying, I'm like, okay, well, you know, the time will come. This will all make sense when it makes sense. Didn't make any sense. Well, obviously, it started to make some sense, okay? Because obviously, with 2019, what happened, going into 2020. And it was like watching this whole thing take place with COVID. And I'm sitting there, and, and I didn't connect the dots immediately, but I'm just praying like, all right, Lord, because, you know, this is January, February, going into 2020. There's all the talks about stuff getting. I'm thinking, there's no way this is going to get over here. Like, it's not going to be what they say. And uh, it started to get bad, and the talks of, of shutdowns and all this other stuff happened. And uh, I remember, I, I told you about this. I don't know if I told anybody else about this, but we were, I was in my office praying one time. And again, it was like I got this picture, and it was Nancy Pelosi and, and Fauci, all right? So not exactly what you want to get. And, uh, and it was like, I don't even know how to describe this, so I'm just going to say it. It was like there's a rat in the room, and what they're saying is not true. Like, I just, I couldn't get past that. I remember telling, do you remember me telling you about this? Yeah. Remember telling, and he had the same thing. I mean, probably not the picture, but the same sense from the Lord. This is not what they're saying it is. And so then there was all this talk about shutting down and all of that. And I'm sitting there like praying, Lord, like, how can we possibly, how can the church close? Because, like, we should be the people when there's crisis that they turn to. And I kept going back to 9-11. Like, two weeks after 9-11, the churches were full all across the country. Like, everywhere. It didn't last very long. Kept reminding me of the, you know, the lepers that didn't come back and thank Jesus and all that kind of, like, that was, that was what kept going through my head. And I, rem- I remember that because in 9-11, I was going to Bible school and, it, like, I worked for Sears. And it was dead that night. I got paid on commission. I made no money that night. Nobody was buying carpet on 9-11. I don't know what's wrong with them. But the whole mall had pretty much closed down. We didn't close as a store because the Sears Tower in Chicago, everybody had gone home from there, so they couldn't get permission to close. So we all just sat there, listening to the radio, like we were in tune to it, like, what is going on? And I remember watching, like, man, these churches are full. Like, it's crazy. Like, this is, this is awesome. And I hate to say it like that, because it sounds weird, right? It's kind of like when I talk to the, the mortician here in town, you guys know Sean, I'm like, man, how's business? Business going well? I hate saying that. <laughs> like, it's weird, right? So, anyway... But I just knew it. I'm thinking, like, we cannot, we can't be. The church has claimed, the church, big C church, okay? And I mean the spirit-filled church. I don't mean just every denomination. It's kind of like some of those who claim to be Jews are not, some of those who claim to be the church are not, okay? It's just the reality of it. So, big C church, how can we, who hold this so dear, 
who've read the stories of what God has done, and we know what God's will is in the area of healing. How can we ever lock down, shut our doors, not come out? We go and hide. Where did the mandate of the gospel stop when it gets tough and scary, and we don't know what to do, and we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring? Where did that change? And I couldn't get, I'm like, we can't. We cannot close our doors. We cannot shut down. We cannot allow any government ever to tell us what to do to the point that it cost us our lives. Obviously, that wasn't on the table, but we just can't. And we have to be salt and light, and we have to be here, and we have to be together, and we have to be about the Lord's work no matter how ugly it is out there. So that's the stand we took. Let me tell you something. Not everybody approved of this message. It was unreal. Because it was shortly after that, and believe me, I had doubts. There were moments of doubt. I remember I went, to, I went to Jim's office. He wasn't there. I talked to Alma, and I'm like, Alma, do you think I'm overthinking this? Like, am I being stubborn for stubborn sake? That's why I came. I came to ask Jim. I'm like, Jim, am I, am I wrong? Am I just being stubborn? She's like, well, don't ask him. He's just as stubborn as you are. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, okay. That's fair. Because it wasn't like I was trying to be obstinate. It was like, we've got to stand on Scripture. We cannot hide. We cannot shut down. We needed to be the place where the folks with COVID came to. It's it's reality of it. Some people liked it. Some people didn't. Some people in, in town didn't like it. I just didn't care. You know, there's something beautiful about not caring what people think about you. It's a wonderfully freeing experience. Just freeing. I'm trying to teach it to my children right now. And... It's like, you know, again, being obstinate for obstinate sake. I had ministers that would call me up and say, what are you doing? I'm like, well, let me just tell you. And I laid it out for them, and I'm like, this is what Scripture says. And we talk all the time that God's Word is truth. I was like, how can we close? I said, but you do you. Like, whatever. You do what you feel is right. And some of them stayed open. Some of them closed all over the place. But I had many that, that just came against me and said, your arrogance is going to kill people. And I'm like, anybody can stay home. I'm just going to be here. Whoever wants to join me is more than welcome to. I say the same thing during snowstorms. It doesn't take me very long to get here. I have four-wheel drive. I'll be here. If you want to come, come. You don't? That's cool. I get it. And it was like, I've had several of them call me since and apologize realizing they were wrong. And that's great. And I'm not looking for an apology from anybody. But I mean, it was like, you know, we just didn't know how to navigate it. We were not prepared. And if anything, that is what we learned. The church is not prepared. We are not where we should be. And remember when I talked about how we were laughing and their food was being brought, it's being rejected, and how they were laughing and enjoying life and they thought they had it all figured out and how that building was beautiful and to look at, but there were holes in the foundations crumbling. 2020 exposed that. I'm just, it's just being honest. When the healing rooms close, that doesn't make sense to me. I go back to, I'm thinking about John G. Lake, the one who started those healing rooms. You guys hear the story about when they took the bubonic plague and they put, I think it was a bubonic plague, it was a plague, put it in his hand and they watched under a microscope it die. When he was being arrested multiple times for practicing medicine without a license, now we got COVID, we got to close. They weren't the only one. There were several of them. A lot of them did. And I understand. We were trying to learn how to navigate. We didn't know. Everybody was trying to do the best they could. But I just could not get past of what does God say? That's what I had to come back to. And yes, that was received better by some than others. That's just life. Guess what? If we paint the outside of the building, it will be received better by some than others. It's just the nature of the beast. I can handle it. It's not a big deal. I'm not looking for sympathy. I'm also not bragging. I'm not trying to do any of that. What I'm saying is it always came back to doing what God's word said. What does his word say? So the Lord showed me things that were coming to a degree. I wasn't as prepared as I would have hoped to have been. I knew that there would be some in the body of Christ that would rise up and attack me and speak against me and all that good stuff that goes with it. That's fine. I could deal with that. Like I said, not caring what people think about you is very freeing. If you'd like a lesson on that, please see me after service. Bringing us to last Sunday. As you guys know, I've been adamant about what does the Word say on everything. 
I even test my own stuff. I'll catch myself sometimes. I'll either be teaching it or preaching it something. And I'm like, I've learned that 20 years ago. I have never actually looked this up to see if it was true. In fact, you and I were just talking about something, right? It's so easy to do. We all get caught up. We don't even realize. We hear something that preaches really good. Like, oh, man, that's awesome. And then you find out it's just nonsense. It just preaches good. We want to go back to what Scripture says. And so I had been praying for many, 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 many times is that, Lord, I want to bring a gifting. When I say gifting, I'm a teacher at heart. That's what the Lord's told me to do. This is what he's given me the ability. I'm no longer the hype guy. I'm not the preacher. I'm not the make you run around the room guy. Um, But I want to bring somebody in that's different than me, not just the same as me. You guys get enough of that. Probably maybe too much. But bring somebody else different. I've been praying, Lord, show me who's legit, who's got the goods. And when I say that, guys, you need to understand something. Just because they are charismatic, just because they're on TV or on YouTube now, whatever, just because they have all these things does not mean they're bringing the, the stuff, the substance. And I had just been praying, Lord, help me. I reached out to several ministries trying to see of names that I was familiar with because I'm just out of connection. I'm not connected with any of these people anymore. Just trying to see who's out there. I couldn't get anybody. To, I got one return phone call out of... 20 submissions. And they were just book solid. I mean, it wasn't like they weren't willing. They're just like, we're booked through, I think, the end of 2024. It's like, well, I don't want to wait that long, you know, type of thing. And so, as I've been praying, I think I told you guys this about Chad pops up on my Facebook feed. You know, I started vetting the guy. And again, if you don't know, I vet everybody. I read their materials, I watch their videos, I look at their social media posts, I look at all of this stuff. I haven't booked bands before, and we're just bringing them into play because of, like, stuff that I had found online, you know. And so I'm checking the guy out, had a long conversation with him, and I just knew, it was like, this guy's he's got something that we're missing. Because my frustration has been for years is that we talk a big game. And we do. But where's the substance? I mean, can we be honest? During COVID, when everything was happening, the only things that were open were essential. Was the church essential? Essential to society in any way? No. It shouldn't be that way. It just shouldn't. You know, now the government doesn't get to dictate if the church is essential. The church is essential. But you know what I mean. Like, the church is closing their doors to not impact anybody's life. It should. It really should. No different than if you moved out of your neighborhood, that neighborhood should feel the loss. Because you're so connected. You're, you're that circle with the Holy Spirit. And so it was like, okay, Lord, what do we do? Where do we go? I kept looking at this as like, We're not whole yet. We're not givers of life. And I kept asking this question. This is even in the early days. I'm like, what would happen? What would it look like if we had a body of believers that came together who lived every day like Scripture is true and we are Christ's hands and feet on this earth? What would that look like? And I would, you know, again, frustrated because I see a lot of claims out there, but I'm not seeing much fruit. An entire revival duping people for a two-year period. I mean, thousands flocked in, flew to these meetings. There's no substance there. There was no life transformation. Lots of energy, no substance. And I'm like, Lord, what would it look like is if you grab people together who study the Scriptures daily, knowing that this is the foundation that we have, but they recognize being the temple of the Holy Spirit and what that meant. And they recognize that you don't preach the gospel daily and, if necessary, use words. But not just that, but it literally means that as I go into the gospel or into the world and make disciples by preaching the gospel, I'm making disciples. They're not born, they're, they're, they're created. That I am Christ's hands and feet on this earth, that I'm carrying that message, I'm a conduit of his words, his compassion, his love, his mercy, and his power. What would that look like if a church, a body of believers came together 
and just got a hold of it and recognized who they are in relationship to God. What would that look like? I got an answer. You know what it is? It's the book of Acts. And 3,000 were added to their number. And 5,000. And you know what? The guys that were preaching all lost their lives. Gave up their lives, probably a better way to say that, as a result. What would happen is if what you guys heard last Sunday was our daily lives. What would happen is the next time somebody's having these stomach pains and they're afraid that it's cancer and they're going to get tested and they called you first. That has happened, right? Do they call you first? No. It's almost like a passivity is like, will you pray for me? Like, I need prayers. But we don't expect anything to happen. We're all shocked. Even as we're, we're sharing these testimonies, and you said like, oh, it's just a small thing. But we're all a little bit like, that's cool. We're a little surprised. We shouldn't be. You see, it, it, it's because we haven't fully accepted this as true. See, what was exposed during COVID is that the church talked a big game, but its faith walk was down here. I'm, I'm broad brushing this thing, okay? Because what you really believe is shown through what you do. And I'm okay with here, but don't talk up here. Be honest. I actually had one person, not, not from here, but who was struggling with this and and just, you know, I'm trusting God, and I'm trusting God, and I'm trusting God, and all of that. And they finally said something like, Chris, I am afraid to die. And I, I, after being on the phone for an hour, I said, that's the first truthful thing you've told me. And that's okay, but let's not stay there. Let's grow. But you've admitted where you are. Let's grow. Let's walk through this. Should we fear death? No. Do we? Yes. Should we fear sickness? No. Do we? Yes. Do we turn to carnal methods the second we have a headache? Where's the Excedrin? I have bottles. I have some in my office. I have some in a medicine cabinet. I have it in my bag. I have it in my truck. Their stock's going to go down. If you need to sell, you better do it now. That's all I'm saying. Guys, what would happen if we got a hold of that? My prayer with bringing Chad in wasn't just the miracles. Man, I want to see that just like you guys do. I want, I miss those days where you just bask in, the, in the, the presence of God and you'd see people weeping and just falling on the ground. And I love that. But I want to see what happens where we recognize who we are and we carry that mandate. And every day we're on mission for God. If he is the vine and we are the branches, where's the fruit produced? It's in the branches. It's not the vine. You see, this is where we, we've missed it. And I say we. I'm talking big C church, guys. I'm not, I'm not trying to get on anybody here, okay? Because I'm talking to myself, too. Because I've told you guys, and I always try to be real and honest. Like, I've had frustrations. But what if what we heard last Sunday was that small missing component? I've never been satisfied when we just pray for somebody, oh, they didn't get healed. Well, we're just trusting God. No, 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 no. That's not what I see. That's not what I see. What I see is results. I want results. What would happen if we walked in confident? What if we walked into the hospitals and just started praying for people? What if we show up at a funeral and we raise that child back up from the dead? What if we actually believed all of this is possible? The only thing we're confident in is where we end up when we die. And I thought he made such a great statement last week. We're waiting for death. It's bothered me for years listening to churches talking about like, you know, I just can't wait for Jesus to return. I do not want him to hurry. I have loved ones, friends, people I care about that don't know him. You guys with me? You guys get this? Like, I want to see radical change in all of our lives to get this impartation. And we're just going to take God at his word. Whatever happens, happens. We're just going to go. And we're going to be so confident. We're going to continue teaching about this. 
I was doing everything getting up to that point. Now we're going to go to the latter part of this, and we're going to start to put some of this stuff into practice. And I'll tell you, some people will go with this, and some people won't. It's just reality. Some people will step out. Some people won't. That's okay. But if we truly want to seek the Lord, let's continue to grow day by day. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, you are so good. We're so grateful for the connections that you've made. And Lord, I pray that last Sunday wasn't just a flash in the pan, but the start of something bigger. I truly believe that we've got a heart for you, for what you want and what you want to do. And Lord, I truly believe that you're going to do great things through the hands of these people. So Lord, I pray that we have an awareness of you, of your presence, that you are in us, and we are in you. And that we can boldly walk in this earth, not doubting your word, but living your word. So Lord, I pray that you're opening up opportunities for us to step out of the boat, to walk on that water, to go and do the things that you've enabled us and called us to do. And so Lord, I thank you. I thank you for all that you do. We give you the glory. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week.